Grace, mercy, and peace to you. From God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus, amen. Today as we continue in our series about being disciples, about following Jesus in the real world, we return to an analogy that I've used before. Uh, Follow the leader is a good way to look at what it's like to be a disciple. In the game Follow the Leader, where the leader goes, you follow. What the leader does, you do. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus, and we, we progress in that path. We follow as closely as we are able as disciples of Jesus. In the game Follow the Leader, well, maybe more in the game Simon Says, which is another leader-following game, when you fail to follow the leader, then you're out, <laughs> right? If the Simon Says leader says, well, Simon Says everyone stand, and then everyone stands, Okay, everyone sit. And and now everyone who just sat down because I didn't say Simon Says would be out. Thanks be to God we aren't out when we fail. When our following strays from the path because God gives grace. God gives grace to us as disciples of Jesus, even though we struggle with temptation and sin. It's in our nature. It's just built into our human condition, inherited because we're, well, people, right? It's part of our humanity that, that, that we have this sinfulness, that, that we're subject to temptation. But it's not just in our nature. It's also in our choices. We regularly make decisions and choices that stray from the path God leads, that go a different direction from where he would have us go. We live in this sinful and broken world subject to his or to its brokenness. The brokenness of the world has been evident, maybe particularly lately, or maybe we're just paying more attention lately, but with disease and death and with conflict between people and with this feeling like everything is just coming to a a boil in our culture and in our world. Maybe it's just more evident. Maybe we're just paying closer attention. I'm not sure which. But here's here's a thought. If, If life were easy... If everything went smoothly, if this, was, if this was a simple thing, we could get along without God. We would do fine, right? If life were easy, if we didn't suffer, if we didn't have this brokenness, if we didn't struggle, but in our struggle, we have a greater understanding that God cares for us. And he does. God cares for us, for, for you, for me, for the world, God cares deeply. He knows the number of hairs that we have. All of us. And that's what Matthew chapter 10, verse 30 says. Even the hairs of your head are numbered. And it goes on in the next verse to say that we're worth more than sparrows. Which doesn't sound like much, Right? You know, sparrows and other little birds, they land in the trees near our house. 
Oh, you're worth more than a sparrow. Well, yeah, thanks. I feel great. But what he's saying, what Jesus is saying there is that not even a sparrow, something that we could easily ignore, not even one of those small birds would die without God being aware of it, knowing it, and we're worth more, far more than the, than the birds. God cares for us deeply. He understands our weaknesses. We have weaknesses. The things that we're not able to do, things that we struggle with, temptations that we fall into easily. I remember when I was about in third grade or so, we had to write a book report. And, and so we had a book. I don't remember if everybody had a different book or if everyone was reading the same book. But I remember distinctly that uh, I think it was the day before the book report was due that I had not read more than like two or three pages of the book. And so it was time. It was time to hunker down and read this book. Well, it was more than a five or six page book, so I had some work to do. And I've never been accused of being an overly quick reader. (laughs) I'm a fairly slow reader. Particularly when I was young, I had to read every word on the page. My dad came up to check on me in the evening, and I was still on about page six, probably. And then later on, he came, and I was maybe on page 10, and he realized that he needed to help me. So he took the book, and he started reading it to me. Well, it got late, and I started to get real sleepy. And at some point, I know I drifted off and slept some while he continued to read this book. Don't tell my third grade teacher, but my dad read the book for me. That weakness of mine, my father carried for me. It's Father's Day, so there's a few father stories for us today. God supplies our needs. He finds us in our weakness, and through his provision, we have been brought from death to life. We have a Savior. Romans 6.23, which is at the end of our reading, our uh, reading from Romans today says the wages of sin is death. The wages of our sin is death. But that price was paid because Jesus died in our place. He took on our weakness, our struggle, our sinful condition, and he went to the cross where he gave his life for ours. In this exchange... It doesn't make any sense, really, that God took our weakness and gives us strength, that God took our sin and gives us righteousness, that God took our failure and makes us perfect, holy, redeemed, forgiven people. Brought from death to life, we are freed from sin, so sin has no dominion over us. That's in verse 14. Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Verse 18 goes on to say, having been set free from sin, having become slaves 
of righteousness. This doesn't mean we don't sin, we don't struggle, we don't find temptation alluring. That's not what it means. The Apostle Paul isn't saying that we can walk through life and it's now really easy. Because there's plenty of places where Paul talks about having struggles with sin and temptation and the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I do, and the good that I want to do, that I, I can never get done. So there's plenty of other places where Paul's analyzing this maybe in a way that seems more familiar because it certainly doesn't feel like we're free from sin. But what he's saying here is that we're free from the burden. We're free from the penalty. We're freed from the, from the fear. Jesus says similar in Matthew 10, don't fear someone who can destroy the body, but fear God. But then right after that goes on to say, don't fear. Don't even fear because because you're worth more than the sparrows and God knows how many hairs you have on your head. We need not fear. We're freed from this burden. We're freed from the penalty, from the payment, and we're blessed with eternal life. Verse 23 goes on to say, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what grace looks like. The wages, death, is paid. The gift that we receive, eternal life. Not just any eternal life, but blessed in Jesus for life in Jesus. For life now, here, today, we're already living it. We're already living in eternity. See, a lot of times we talk about, well, one day we'll get to go to heaven. One day things will be all right. We don't have to wait. We still live here and now. We're still in this broken world. We're still subject to all the the brokenness and turmoil that even comes within us. But we have life in Jesus already. Right now, we are blessed. As disciples, blessed by the Lord, redeemed by Jesus, baptized into this faith relationship with God, now it is our calling to live like the teacher. It is Father's Day. And when I, wanna, when I grow up, I want to be like my dad. <laughs> I say at 51 years old, <laughs> when I grow up, I've always wanted to be like my dad. His values, his character, his integrity, his faith. I want to be like him and do the things that he does. So I learned as I was growing up to pay attention and manage money well. To love my family, to enjoy travel and spending time as a family together. I learned to help people in need. There's a lot that I learned And some of what we learn we can observe, but a lot of what we learn we have to put into practice. And that's what today's message in Romans 6 talks about too, is putting it into practice, doing the things that we're to do. Disciples are to be like their master. You can find that in in Matthew 10 as well. In verses 24 and 25, it says, A disciple is not above his teacher, 
nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. So follow the example of Jesus. There's an expression before you judge someone, walk a, walk a mile in his shoes. Many variations that are similar to that. But walking a mile in the shoes of someone in order to understand and evaluate that person is important. It's important to really grasp before we pass judgment on a person, what is that person's life like? What has that person done? What has that person experienced? I think that's really one of the biggest reasons that, that the, the racial injustices that I think now we're seeing more dramatically than, than maybe we have before, I think maybe that's why it's so much more evident. Because we could see a, a, an eight-minute-long video of someone who did not get justice, who did not have his life honored and valued. And we can empathize with that, and we can understand more what was really going on for years and years. We can see someone and, and understand a bit more so that young person who's struggling with so much, can we walk in that person's shoes? That person who's aging, who's whose maybe memory is slipping. Can we walk a bit in that person's shoes? But it's not just for evaluating and judging per people. I mean, not to be judgy, right? But to understand is what I mean. And can we walk in the ways of Jesus? To do more than understand, but to learn from and put into practice the things that now Jesus wants to teach us. Follow the example. Walk in his ways. Live like him. Can we live like Jesus? Jesus was humble. Jesus was loving. Jesus found people where they were and spoke truth and grace into their lives. Jesus served others. So you and I are empowered to follow Jesus as the Spirit guides us in new obedience. Verse 17 in Romans chapter 6 says, Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Our actions are rooted in grace. Responding to the grace that we've received, guided by the grace of God, now we strive to obey what God tells us. This doesn't earn our place with him. This doesn't bring us into a place where we're now acceptable to God, where he looks at us and goes, ah, you have been obedient, so now you have earned my favor. That's not how it works. There are times when, as a father, my kids haven't been precisely obedient. I've got a couple kids here, and they're making sure that you can see everything, so I've got to be careful with what I say, or this feed is just going to get cut off maybe. I don't know. And, and as a father, when my kids have not been obedient, 
I've not been pleased, <laughs> right? And so sometimes I've had to, to punish and to teach and, right, the, the ways that we discipline kids. It's necessary for their development so that they learn, so that they understand, so that maybe next time we do better. God disciplines us as his children, made children through the grace that he gives. We now strive to obey because we have this relationship with God, guided by the Spirit into this new obedience. The desire to obey is from our love and respect for God and our desire to honor him. And obedience leads to righteousness. Again, not that we're made right with God by our obedience. That's all done with. God gave us that by his grace. By grace, you are saved through faith. That's it. Not by your works so that no one can boast. We haven't fixed our relationship with God by the things that we do and by our obedience. But we do righteous deeds through the Spirit's guidance. The end of verse 19, still in Romans 6. Now present your members, meaning you know, yourself, present yourself as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification, to holiness. We, we strive to be more holy, more godlike as people who follow. Bearing fruit, doing good works. This is, these are the things that God calls us to do. I mean, even Ephesians chapter 2 that says, by grace you're saved through faith. It's not your works. It's not of yourself that, you should, that no one sh- should boast. goes on right away in verse 10 to say, but we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good things that he's prepared in advance for us to do. You can find that in Ephesians 2.10. That we have work to do. We're slaves to righteousness. The word slaves is heavy. It's heavy word in our time and place. It's, it has a terrible history, that word slavery. The ongoing systematic oppression of people and the, the demonstrations and protests that have broken out connected to that history that's embedded in our culture. We can't change that. But in order for us to understand what the Apostle Paul is writing, we need to separate ourselves, if we're able, from this definition that we would understand as people who live here and now. Slavery in the New Testament was an accepted practice. And Paul instructs about it, slaves be obedient, and masters treat slaves fairly. So it's a a bit of a different um, image that we should have as we look at this, as slaves to righteousness, we are to be obedient and to pursue what God has for us to do. We're slaves to our master. God is our master. We've been bought with a price. And so we're to be obedient to God and live lives of faith in action. What does it look like? It looks like loving God. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. If we could do that, how much better would the world be? Love your neighbor as yourself. If we could do that, how much better can we make, maybe not the whole world, but the parts of it that we live in? That's our calling, to pursue that, to be more and more like Jesus, to even lay down our lives and follow him. Walking by faith, bearing fruit, pursuing righteousness, doing those good works, caring for creation, supporting people, being the voice of the voiceless, the the hope for the hopeless, a friend to people in need. This is the calling to which we are called, to live like the teacher, striving as much as we can to give thanks to God by how we live our lives each and every day, consistently striving for holiness because we've been made righteous by the gift of his grace. Let's live like the teacher, as disciples in Jesus, following him in the real world. Amen.